0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. It's Friday, which means that it's news panel time, which means that we get to bring in Joita Gupta. Good morning, Joita. Good morning, Dave. And pinch hitting for Michelle McQuig is Alex Smythe. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Alex.
1: (laughs) You you got yourself there, Dave.
0: Instincts. Instincts. Well, it's it's like how I kept calling the daily polls at AMI-audio for a good six weeks after we switched branding. It's just brain memory and muscle memory in my mind. Guys, let's start here. Let's highlight some of what we learned this week at the public inquiry into the Emergencies Act. Ontario Provincial Police Superintendent Pat Morris says his force was prepared for a long protest. We were positioning ourselves to be prepared for a longer term. I don't know that I had a specific idea in mind, but we were even beginning to schedule and plan at that time for, you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month. It appears to be a different story at the city level. Ottawa City Manager Steve Kanalakis says city staff were relying on information from local police about the scale of the protest. It wasn't unusual to have a variance in the views of people who thought it was going to be bigger, longer, smaller. There were all kinds of opinions on what that would be. The only information we could rely on was the audible police in terms of reliable information at that time. Ottawa city councillor and former chair of the police board, Diane Deans, reflected on how the protests threw the city's police leadership and city hall into chaos.
2: And then there was what I would describe as some sort of insurrection from within that was happening.
0: Deans testified that Ottawa's former police chief was not prepared for a long protest. He said to me, what are you so worried about? And I I, I told him just what I told you, the the number of tracks, the size of those tracks, the amount of money that they have. And and he he said that he
2: would be surprised if they were still here on Monday.
0: Deans also described some political tensions at all levels of government that may have slowed the response. Ottawa's acting deputy chief, Patricia Ferguson, says in hindsight, she would have given more credibility to early warnings from the OPP and other intelligence, suggesting protesters did plan to stay for weeks. We had a period after that first weekend where I say we were orienting ourselves. I think we were floundering a little bit in terms of our staffing, in terms of our ability to to really take stock of what was going on and and, and then move forward and, and come up with a plan to get out of it. And I think we lost some time there. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson acknowledged that the city did ask other levels of government for extra police assistance. We needed the large number of 1,800 to get this situation under control and kick these yahoos out of our city who were disrupting the quality of life of the people of Ottawa. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, fast forward, We got what we wanted, and we appreciate the federal government the provincial government's support. We wanted it sooner because this thing should not have lasted three weeks. That's a sampling of sound from the hearings this week, but there's also been a disclosure of a number of documents showing some emails and text messages amongst various levels of politicians who were clearly struggling to get on the same page to understand a robust plan. Joita, I want to start with you here. Has anything in particular caught your attention during the inquiry this week?
2: It's been hard to look away from it, Dave. And I think there's a number of things that caught my attention, just starting out with the fact that as we highlighted in the clips, it seems like the OPP thought this was going to be a longer occupation and that's what they were prepared for. But the Ottawa police didn't seem to be on the same page. As you heard, they thought, you know, it'll be gone by Monday. And it's very unclear to me. And I have questions about who shared what intelligence with whom. It seems as though the OPP endeavored to share its intelligence. But uh, then the Ottawa police turned around and seemed to be asking for the very same information. So I'm not sure what happened there, whether it got lost in transit or if there was some form of miscommunication. There is a lot of personal rancor and internal politics and interpersonal disputes that have marred the response uh, between, you know, different levels of government, uh, the Ottawa police force and the chief of police and the police board and the mayor. It just seems like there are so many interpersonal issues that have cropped up. That the whole thing really got me wondering, and maybe this is just a, a testament to my naivety, but I honestly thought that we would have had a game plan in place. That somewhere, somehow, there would have been a you know, a plan to deal with a protest at this of this magnitude right at Parliament Hill, and yet it seems like they were making it up as they went along. And I have to tell you, the the lack of a plan or the lack of a coordinated strategy, which I had honestly assumed had always been in place, you know, between the different uh, levels of government, different uh, police forces, who's going to be doing what, Mm -hmm. the fact that that apparently doesn't exist came as quite a surprise to me. The other thing that um, I, I would be interested in looking at, and it sort of jumped out at me, I think there perhaps isn't enough scrutiny being paid to the role of the provincial government or the Lack of the role of the provincial government. Uh, it, it it at the time the city of Ottawa requested additional resources and tougher laws uh, from uh, the province. But not only was Doug Ford. Conspicuously absent. Although now, of course, he says he supports the emergency act. But not only was Doug Ford conspicuously absent at the time, but all of those appeals went nowhere. So mm-hmm. there's so many things to unravel here, Dave. But the t- the key takeaway for me is: I really, honestly thought there had always been a plan to deal with something like this, and evidently there
0: was not. It, I agree with you, Joita. It's been hard to look away this week. And to your point about the Ontario Premier, there were some documents that were released here where the expression "he's in hiding." He's in hiding from the meetings that we need him at were released this week in in documentation from the prime minister's office. So definitely that was something that has come to light this week. Some of that transparency has been interesting. That's a little bit harder to report on for us on the day-to-day on the show. I highly recommend the work The Globe and Mail is doing in terms of investigating some of those documentations a little more clearly. We're We're doing a lot of the sharing of sound of testimony. It hasn't necessarily stunned me this week. None of this information isn't necessarily something that I didn't already have a sense of or didn't have a sense of knowing but it really seems like they're painting a foundational picture this week of saying let's understand what the situation on the ground was let's look at what the reaction of the police forces in real time was the reason why i played that sound from the mayor of ottawa is because that's the ultimate question Who asked for the Emergencies Act? Did they ask for it by name? And was that appropriate? That's ultimately the question that Mm -hmm. Justice Paul Rouleau is tasked with answering. But you can't answer that question without at least establishing the facts and the chain of command for the three weeks before it was declared. Alex, what about you? Anything from this week's testimony stand out to you?
1: You know, I I agree with what you're saying, Dave, because to me, a lot of it didn't surprise me because when this protest first was happening, I mean, we all heard about it in the news and in media reports leading up to the protest. Like there there was, you know, a, a clear understanding, oh, this trucker convoy is going to Ottawa and, and the the number of trucks and we saw the size of them, they were all making their way there. So the fact that the public knew and and yet the Ottawa police force seemingly disregarded any information that uh, apparently the OPP was sharing on uh, with them on intelligence on on information that was just being disregarded being ignored and I think I agree with Jewina in the fact that you you kind of always figure that there's some sort of plan especially if Ottawa of all cities would have some sort of protest plan contingency uh kind of uh policy in place that they can enact when when the time comes but As you mentioned, the inquiry kind of lays a a foundational uh, standard and you're putting brick by brick as we build up towards eventually what the the role of the federal government who's called for the Emergencies Act uh, to be enacted. I think it's very important. We're getting the the local city level. We're clearly seeing there was the infighting, there was these relationships, there were people disregarding information, people viewing the protest as going to be something Far bigger than what others were seeing, but I agree with Juwita as well in the fact that we really need to kind of find out what the provincial government was doing, what the Ford government was doing. We heard he Doug Ford was in hiding. This is kind of part of the ideological and political differences between the three levels of government that are in uh, that have jurisdiction in Ottawa. You know, you you have the local municipal government, you got a conservative provincial government who were trying to thread this fine line with vaccine requirements, with supporting, you know, uh, some of the parties supporting freedom and uh, the freedom movement and a lack of restrictions. And then you got the federal government who is enacting this uh, vaccine mandate, which was the the guise of this whole uh, uh, convoy. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be very interesting if we do start to unravel this a bit more and start to hear from the provincial government, start to see some more of these documents that are getting shared, getting leaked and getting more information from there.
0: Justice Rouleau obviously is going to come out with some recommendations. I am curious about where he lands on the question of jurisdiction. As we pointed out a few times on this show during the protests, within two kilometres of those protests, there are five different police forces that have various jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. You have the Parliamentary Police, you have the RCMP, you have the OPP on the highway, you have the Quebec Police on the Quebec side of the bridge, and you have the Ottawa Local Police as well. So that's five jurisdictions within two kilometres. That is something that I wonder if we might move towards more of a Washington model uh, where you have a capital police force that sort of runs a green zone or a red zone across two provinces. And I'm sure Quebec is super happy about that about that concept. Um, but I, th- that's going to be one of the questions in the report and the recommendations is how much of this is actually a question of having too many jurisdictions in too small a radius. Uh, Joita, Michelle McQuigg posed us a great question in an email here, and I wanted to keep What do you make of the assertion that political tensions fueled a slower response, whether it be uh, infighting at Ottawa City Hall, an alleged beef between Ottawa's former police chief, Peter Slowly, Mm -hmm. and emergency Preparedness Minister Bill Blair? Uh, There was all kinds of beef, all kinds of dirty laundry being shared (laughs) this week.
2: Yes. No, for sure. You know, I I will go out on a limb and say this is a textbook example of political backpassing and warnings not being heeded. All of this aided and abetted by a slew of interpersonal conflicts Uh, to the point where the Ottawa police was so hampered by infighting that they weren't even able to effectively mobilize. I think a lot of questions will be asked about the Ottawa police response. It has since come out that there has been considerable infighting between the police chief in Ottawa and uh, officers. Uh, You know, you heard from Diane Deans, who subsequently said that there was a a concerted effort to undermine the police chief in Ottawa during the crisis just to kind of make them look bad. And so to answer your question, did the political rancoring and the interpersonal conflicts play a part here? I think it's self-evident to say that yes, absolutely 100% the infighting and the the personal disagreements definitely slowed down the response because it is so clear that with all the... And you did a great job of laying out the different jurisdictions and the various players. It is so clear that they just were not able to get on the same page, even though these protests effectively ground to a halt life in Ottawa and made life very difficult for ordinary people. And so there are a number of things that I wanted to pick up on. The first thing, uh, just to sort of piggyback off of what you were saying, this is all happening near Parliament Hill, but uh, the RCMP actually has no jurisdiction. So, you know, the, the the federal government couldn't just turn to the RCMP and say, hey, can you go sort this out? What they ended up, doing uh, was...
0: can I pause you for one second? Mm-hmm. When I mentioned the two-kilometer radius, it's the parkways, the national mm-hmm. parkways that exist in Ottawa around Parliament Hill. The RCMP does have jurisdiction there.
2: Right. But I think a lot of it also came down to the fact that they were trying to sort of indirectly... And, I mean, you know, they don't influence Ottawa police in this situation. But, of course, that relies... in uh, that requires some buy-in from the provincial government, which I think we've sort of already talked about. Didn't They didn't really show up at the table... And so, you know, it, it, it. I think I like what you said, and I would echo the sentiment that I think one of the things that's going to come out of this inquiry is trying to iron out some of those jurisdic- jurisdictional tangles and figure out who's actually responsible for policing in this area. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a big takeaway from this, uh, because it, it, it became very clear that there wasn't a clear line of control, and it just... Um, it just, like, I, I think there's been a lot of criticism of the Ottawa police in saying that they just didn't take the protesters seriously um, and I think part of the reason for that is uh, because slowly, uh had been deputy chief of police in Toronto uh, in 2010 during the G20 protests and um, that had been an instance where the police was heavily criticized for over-policing and mm-hmm. rounding up protesters so I think in this instance Maybe he didn't want to repeat performance, and so maybe the the reaction from Ottawa police might have been underwhelming in the situation, uh, which definitely contributed a, a, above and over, I think, some of the interpersonal issues that we've talked about already.
0: Alex, what do you make of the assertion that political conflict is what slowed an effective response?
1: I, I think it certainly played a part, you know, because it's it's one of those things that we were talking about earlier about the the flow of information, the... The effective communications, especially when it comes through the different levels of government. You, this was a a situation that you needed a unified force and a approach to how to deal with this. But we quickly saw this was no one really had a clear view of how do we effectively address the situation. How do we deal with this protest and how do we do it from a unified front and, and tackle it from uh, every different uh, uh, way in order and when we start uh hearing about some of these oh the strike between you know uh the uh, uh Bill Blair and and uh, the local uh Peter government, slowly just, Peter slowly uh, Peter slowly yes the uh, police chief and, and then uh, between uh the mayor and and, and Dean it, it's it really think you you start to think it's like wouldn't you hope that when you're you're faced with an issue you know you can put aside those office politics essentially what which is what this is and and these personal grudges to be like oh there's a bigger issue at play we we can deal with our personal grudges our personal vendettas our our issues with one another once we deal with this because this isn't just about us anymore this is about the public this is about showing a strong unified front for dealing uh, with with issues that affect our our government i mean you want to be present yourself as an effective uh, um, leader in, in government and in, in policing, well, that's not how you do it when you don't really step up to the plate when the need arises.
0: I want to be a little quick with this mm-hmm. last question in this segment, guys, because we are already up against it. It happens very, very quickly on this show. It's amazing once we start having these conversations, we end up against it. I want to talk about the potential fallout for the federal government here. I don't think anything that came out this week was particularly damaging, but fundamentally the question is going to be was the use of the Emergencies Act appropriate? Was stripping people of their civil liberties pretty much willy-nilly an appropriate use? Was that the appropriate action? I think when we get clearer questions about that that's when we can really start talking about potential fallout for the federal government and the way that people perceive this and that might not even be during the testimony that may be when when justice rouleau put out puts out his final report in a couple of months but joita as we sit here today and again try to keep this a bit brief for us what do you imagine some of the fallout could be
2: here I don't think there's a clear exoneration of the federal government. I think I'll start by saying that. But beyond that, uh, I think you've pretty much nailed it. It's not clear at this point. We don't know enough. Uh, And I think it's going to be one of those situations where those who had been opposed to the Emergencies Act will have said that the government overreached. And those who were in favor of the use of the Emergencies Act and (laughs) felt it was appropriate (laughs) will find things in this inquiry to back up their point Mm -hmm. of view. So that's Mm -hmm. why I think we're going to have to leave it.
0: Yeah, their, their minds may already be made up on this. This one, people may have already picked their camp on this. Alex, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's going to come out that the federal government uh, were not justified in using the Emergencies Act, but I think what the federal government is going to point to is the fact that there was this infighting, there was this lack of cohesion, and and they couldn't rely on the other levels of government and policing to to deal with this, this issue, this conflict. So I think that's going to be their defence, but I, I still think it's going to come out that it was not needed in this situation.
0: I think we're still pretty much looking ahead to federal ministers popping on the stands and uh, being examined and questioned and cross-examined. That's when I think we'll really start to get to the crux of where the federal story lays. But thank you both for exploring this with me. I have a sneaking suspicion between now and the end of November we'll end up revisiting this one again and I'm going to keep playing sound pretty much every day on the show, providing it keeps popping up for me to share with you.